Hey everybody, this is Sheriff Adam Fortney. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm excited about today. It's something that uh, I think is near and dear to our, our hearts and that we are really trying to push forward in this organization, and that is the topic of wellness. It is a conversation going on in every law enforcement circles that I'm around these days. You can name your department both within the county and probably within the state and country. Um, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's trying to do a better job. Everybody's trying to figure it out. So that's what we just got together to talk about today. And I got a couple guests today, Under Sheriff Ian Hurry and Sergeant Jeff Ross. Thank you for being here. Uh, you have ranked, so I'll start with the Sergeant. Perfect. Um, just Please tell us be. a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Jeff Ross. I've been uh, at the Sheriff's Office since 2004. Um, I've worked in a lot of different positions and I'm currently assigned to a non-uniform position. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I, I will say before we get too deep into this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a wellness expert, and I'm not a religious expert. So anybody that sees this and says, oh my God, that's totally wrong. It's just my opinion of what I've gone through and my experiences, so. And that's actually perfect because that's what I want people to get from this. Uh, you're, we're gonna get into the, the personal stuff a little bit as much as you want to, but that's what I like about this format. We can be real, we can be raw. You said, hey, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert in this. I've lived through some stuff. You have done a lot within this organization, mm -hmm. and that's what I think we're here to talk about. So yeah, just let people have it. And I, I, I think people are craving this real and authentic conversation Sure. Um, we're, we're acknowledging we're not experts at this. We're trying to figure it out as we go too. And that's what we're here to talk about. So Ian, go for it. Uh, my name is Ian Hury. I've been with the Sheriff's Office almost 20 years now, just uh, just under. Uh, currently serving as the under sheriff. That means I'm the vice principal, uh, the disciplinarian. Uh, people like to call me. Uh, I work with the Bureau Chiefs in our office of professional accountability uh, day to day. Uh, other than that, I've worked assignments mostly through patrol and uniform capacity. Uh, throughout my time and just kind of work my way through the ranks so you're not you're not getting off that easy so uh we're gonna go into a little we're gonna we're here to talk about wellness but so uh came into this administration in 2020 don't worry we're not going down that road again we, we just <laughs> did that one um so you came in as a bureau chief and then we had a retirement i asked you if you would be the under sheriff you accepted thank you um you're doing a good job with that comes uh basically you and i oversee the four bureaus yeah. uh, together we work together every day um, you come into my office quite a bit. I come into yours. We have real conversations, which I hope we, uh, the community can see a little bit about that today. But we all bring our personal passions, what we're really passionate about through the course of a career, and in your case, to the office of undersheriff. Um, one of those things is wellness. Well, number one, thank you for doing that. Yeah. I can't say for certain that I would have um, recognized the importance of going down this road that I think we're going to talk about today. So thank you for doing that. So just get us started in the topic of wellness by uh, how did it come to the forefront from you? Why is it important to you? Just things like that. Well, like for me, there's there's the professional side and then there's a the personal side. And you and I have talked about both. The professional side, looking at, especially coming through 2020, it always kind of been an interest of mine, the wellness uh, committee that we had existing and the wellness topics, but in 2020, we really looked at, hey, we're taking a beating. Yeah. Let's just be frank. We were taking a beating in the public eyes, in the media, amongst friends and family even. I mean, and some of it deserved, yeah. some of it very much not. So we could, I could see the toll it was taking on our folks. Um, we were going through budget issues because of COVID. We were going through social unrest. We were going through people leaving the field. And so it became kind of a business decision of, 
how in the world do we help people stay healthy in this job and keep them going and want to work through these tough times? And thankfully, I think we've made it through the tough times, but we've got to keep doing the work of how do we keep people engaged and retain them and keep them healthy on the back end when they retire? Uh, because the stats are ugly when it looks to looks at you know us when we retire, what happens to our health? You know, average heart attack age uh, for a cop is 49. In the general public, it's closer to 70. So when you look at numbers like that, it really makes you worry. So as as a as a, an employer, we had to look at that piece. Uh, on the personal side, I kind of looked at myself and said, "Man, am I living the example for what I want our folks to go through?" And just made some actually real basic nutritional changes. Um, you and I have kind of been talking nerd stuff about cutting out sugar and yeah. and the things we've done with our diets, but uh, just in doing that, um, dropping some weight and trying to be healthier. So um, I looked at the business side. I also looked at when I retire, what kind of shape do I want to be in when I come out of this career? And I meant taking care of my mental health, taking care of my physical health, um, you know, my finances, you know, planning all that out so that when I retire and you know, 10-ish years, whatever it might be, you know, I've got a life to live after that. And that's what I wanted for all of our people that are that are coming through this process with us. So that that's where kind of my passion came from. Um, there was a need. We're in positions where we can actually address it in a substantive way, I think. So um, if we didn't step in and do it, who was going to? Yeah, so that, that, that's good. Um, I'm gonna, you're being very humble and I appreciate it about you, but I'm, I'm gonna say it this way. Um, you've inspired me to make some changes for two things. One, you're, you're uh, elevated the importance of, of wellness, I think, in the sheriff's office, that. And then seeing on the personal side, which you already mentioned, um, seeing you take it really seriously, seeing you drop a bunch of weight, as I've gained a bunch of weight since sitting in this office, yeah, it changes. Yeah, it happens. When you go from sure. the road into sitting yeah. in an office all the time, it's, it's a serious change. And you have to make changes, which I did not do until you started to do. And so our offices are right next to each other. I'd see you every day and you're looking fantastic. I'm like, I gotta do something. So you're right, very nerdy conversations. That yes. you <laughs> but but you, you are the one that got that started for me because I, I, I backslid a whole bunch. So, so you're, not just, you're, you're not just talking the talk. I think you're walking the walk and that's well, important. I think that's where the value of any wellness program comes from though. That's why we, part of why we have Jeff here too is because we're gonna talk about that peer led or peer inspired change. Um, we have some really cool stuff we're doing on the big organizational levels, yes. but unless you know all of our folks that make some changes or adopt some things, see the value, and then drag their peers along with them, right? Because that's what yeah. we all do. You know, you're doing jujitsu, dragging people along with you. I'm uh, working on my nutrition, dragging people with me. So there, there's ways that we can influence change, whether we have rank or not, by just the people we interact with and that see us kind of leading by example, I guess. Totally agree. That's good. Sergeant Ross, so wellness uh, means kind of different things to different people. Sure. Um, some things come to the forefront of my mind, uh, since I, I've already said this, it, my office is next to Ian, I'm really expanding that to, to think of more things. Because I, I tend to gravitate towards the physical fitness and what more can we do in that area. Um, but Ian brought up this, this blood panel screening and I think we did a 17 or 18, we had room for, it was a test group yeah. that the county was great to work with. Absolutely. Them. Fantastic. And they're like, yeah, we support you 100%. And I threw my name in the hat for that. But I said, I told Norm, I go, only if you, do, I didn't know that he'd get 17. I go, if you don't get 17, <laughs> I will be a participant for you. Because I thought it was kind of cool. But he says, don't worry about it, boss. we got more than enough, more than we can handle. So one, that's a good problem to have. Yes. And I think we're going to be able to expand that. But so what does kind of, what does this, the idea of wellness mean to you? And then we'll get into kind of the more personal stuff after that. Sure. 
Um, and that's a good point. I, I too was a firm believer in the, the wellness was, um, there was, there was the fitness aspect, yeah. there was the nutrition aspect, and then there was the financial aspect. And, um, you could draw dividers down and, and keep them all in, in their perfect little boxes and not have to worry about them. Yep. But the reality is, is they all intermingle. Um, and there's, um, the blood work was something that I never considered. And had I considered that, I probably could have circumvented what I wound up going through just recently and not had to deal with what I'm dealing with now. Yeah. And so um, I think the fact that our organization is taking this seriously and pushing it out to our people, hey, look, not just we're not just pushing this down to you guys, but we're doing it too. And we want you guys to be healthy and we want you guys to live a long and fruitful life and, and milk left retirement for as long <laughs> as you can yeah. when you get out of this. I think that's important. And I think it's an, an important message to hear from, from our boss. You so, have, yeah, you have to. And yeah. the important thing about, well, we don't need to get into communication stuff, but messaging, people, they don't want lip service from their boss. They don't want lip service from Ian in this area. They want to know that we're taking it seriously. Right. So we're just starting. I, I, I hope people are starting to see a difference, though. Um, we, are, we are trying some cool stuff. But we mentioned a blood panel. We mentioned kind of the trial period that we did with the partnership with others in government in Snohomish County. And then you mentioned it might have helped you with some personal stuff you're <laughs> yes. going through. And that's why, thank you for being so gracious. It's not easy to talk about this stuff sure. all the time. And you know, we have this kind of youth group we're doing on the side. And when we bring in speakers for that, we always remind the youth, it is not easy to get up and talk about personal stuff. It, it's just not. Right. Um, so thank you for coming in. Absolutely. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I think, in, in, cause we talked a little bit before we sat down, you want people to learn from some of the stuff that you've been through. Absolutely. And I think Ian and I could say that as well. Um, but tell us what's been going on in the last several months. <laughs> uh, so July 12th, I was, it was uh, Tuesday, which was uh, my Monday. And um, I was working out, I usually work out before I go to work and then um, would come to work and do my thing and then go home. Um, I got, to rewind a little bit from that, uh, I got COVID at the end of April, beginning of May. And um, I, I'd had some uh, breathing issues, couldn't, couldn't catch my breath. Yeah. Okay. Um, went, went through it, uh, recovered what I thought was completely, um, and, but I still couldn't get my wind back. So I stopped doing uh, cardiovascular training and just stuck with the weight training. Um, but I was getting my, my sessions in and thought, you know, that's, that's huge. That, you know, at least I'm still doing physical fitness. And I started seeing a cardiologist to try and figure out what was going on with, with my chest. The downside is, is all the tests that he had scheduled me for were, uh, this was, like I said, this was um, June and, and going into July, but the tests were mid to late August. Okay, and, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, fast forward back to July 12th, um, I was working out before uh, getting ready to go to work. I have a gym in my garage and I had just finished a set of crunches on the ground and um, stood up, felt kind of weird. And I, I used to wear an Apple watch and I'll get into why I don't wear it now. Um, but I, it, it just gave me this weird symbol. And I was like, I've never seen that. So I tapped on it again and uh, my pulse comes on at 50 and then it jumps to 80 and then it jumps to 150. And I'm like, man, that, that's way high for just doing a set of crunches. Mm -hmm. That's not normal. So I sat down on the bench and I was like, well, I'll 
clearly I'm done working out for today. Maybe I can just, you know, calm myself down, uh, get my stuff. I'll go back in the house and get ready for work. So I went to the house, uh, went upstairs and, and shaved and uh, jumped in the shower. And as soon as I got hot from the shower, I had the biggest adrenaline dump I've ever had. And the, we talked about it um, a couple weeks ago. What was frightening to me at, after understanding what was happening was that I didn't have all the stereotypical signs that we learn about as, as young men and later into adulthood of what a heart attack for a man is gonna be. You know, the, the left arm pain, the, the back cramps, whatever. I had none of that. I had, I couldn't control my arms and legs because I had so much adrenaline going and I was short of breath. That was it, no pain at all. Hmm. Um, so uh, got out of the shower, got dried off, um, realized that I should probably uh, call 911. And so uh, there's no way that my dog was gonna let the fire guys into my house. So I had to go downstairs and uh, call them from down there. Um, the call taker did a great job. She had me eat some more aspirin and I actually started taking aspirin um, two weeks prior. And so uh, had some aspirin. She, she had uh, Medic One respond, they got there. Um, I explained to him what was going on and uh, told him, you know, I'm, I'm a sergeant with the sheriff's office and I, I wouldn't normally call 911, but this is pretty significant. I don't, I don't feel like I could drive myself to the hospital safely. And they're like, no, you, you shouldn't be driving at all. So uh, they threw me in the aid car and uh, sprayed some nitroglycerin under my tongue, which is amazing. It immediately relaxed me. Um, and so we were, I was talking with the paramedic and like three or four blocks out from the hospital, they gave me another spray under the tongue. And by the time we got into the ER, I was actually so relaxed and, and had my wits about me again that I was embarrassed. I thought, wow, I completely overreacted. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I wound up apologizing to the fire guys. I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I shouldn't have called. And they were like, no, 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 you're, you're here for a reason. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, uh, and, and I actually said, you know, I, I can just, you know, I'll bail right now. And they're like, no, you're not going anywhere. Um, Were they already looking at their equipment? Oh, oh yeah, and, yeah. And knew what was going on? Well, the, the paramedic, just because, just by virtue of spraying the nitroglycerin and, and that having such an impact, he was like, yep, you're you're gonna spend some time here. Yeah. Um, but then, so actually, after I get admitted and they do the blood tests, uh, the first blood test doesn't show anything. And uh, the, the cardiac, physician's assistant that came by the first time, um, he, he said, uh, hey, your blood looks good. As long as the second test comes back looking the same way, we're gonna get you out of here. And I thought, okay, awesome. Well, in the meantime, I had texted my wife and said, hey, this is where I'm at, this is what happened, uh, not sure what's going on. And so she said, uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna come to the hospital, I'm stopping at Starbucks, do you want anything? And I said, yeah, I'll take a green tea. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not, not knowing what was going on. And uh, so she got there and I'm sipping on my green tea and just waiting to, basically to be discharged. And so the, um, that same PA came back around. He said, so a couple things, I need you to stop drinking that. Uh, and uh, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're gonna spend some time with us. And I said, oh, okay, what's going on? He's like, you've had a heart attack. Uh, you're okay f for right now. Um, and so I got admitted and uh, that was July 12th. 
a, a week later, uh, I was supposed to have uh, a quadruple bypass, which I learned about while I was in there for a week and tested positive for COVID, mm. even though I didn't have any symptoms. Uh, and then fast forward another week, uh, they, they pushed forward with the surgery um, because I was non-symptomatic for the first, for that week. Um, and then, uh, so I had my surgery on, on the 26th and by, uh, I think it was August 1st or the last day of July, I was released to go home. And so uh, 19 days in the hospital. Um, and then that that's really where the, the work part starts. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into recovery and it's not, um, I, I wasn't you know, a pillar of health when I had my heart attack, but I was working out on a daily basis and I was pretty strong. I can say you're a fit guy. You, <laughs> you were a fit cop. I mean, you just, you just, you always have been that way. Sure. So it so, actually goes, it lends credibility to what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> sure. I, we can all be fit. I can do a better job. Um, but you were that fit guy and still went through this. Yes. And yeah. that was, that's, uh, part of what, um, scared me the most is I thought I was doing everything right, but, but yeah. there were so yeah. many pieces that I missed that I, I wish I would have known because I, I would have been, I would have been pushing that part as well. Um, and that's why I, I think it was, I'm, I'm very humbled that you guys asked me to be a part of this because I think it's huge that we are pushing this out to our people and trying to get them to be safe and live longer and happier and healthier lives. Um, because I thought I was doing everything right. I was eating fairly healthy. I was working out every day, uh, but I missed a really big piece. Yeah. So. So we'll we'll yeah we're gonna announce that from the rooftops. Talk about this stuff again. You being here is a big step in that direction for our office. Just to you know just be real and talk about this stuff. And one of the things that we all kind of talked about before coming on here to a little bit is this job. Public safety is a little bit different, no matter what aspect you may work in. I mean that for across the board right. at the sheriff's office. Uh, we see stuff, we hear stuff, we have to deal with stuff. And historically speaking, we're not good at dealing with it. We, we just, no matter, we are not good at all. Um, and I include myself in that. And maybe Ian, because I know because we've talked about this a lot, you can talk about maybe a little bit about that part and where we may be going, specifically the mental health part of this. Sure. Um, again, you spend decades in this job and you don't deal with your own stuff. Right. It's only a matter of time is what I'm, I'm, and I'm learning too, just like you just said, where you thought you were on the right track. I kind of felt like I've been, I've been okay during my career. Um, but man, there's so much I missed and I'm missing that we're here to talk about. So anyway, mental health. Yeah. So, I mean, not that you're mental at all. I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a little defensive now. You have a bad <laughs> almost literally. Uh, no, it, it kind of goes to what Jeff's saying though, about you think you're doing everything right, but are there little things you can do along the way to check in? like maybe the, the blood screening, if we had offered that earlier, yes. or if there's an avenue to it earlier, yeah, you're doing everything right. You're checking all the positive boxes, but here's one thing you can't control. You know, your blood work, you couldn't control everything, but now we warn you early, now we can make some changes. Same thing on mental health. Um, we all handle trauma, stress, um, all these things differently. Uh, and in, in, in cop world, that's kind of the, the trauma we see. It's the occupational stress, the actual you know, the stress of the job uh, in, in society and then organizational stress, the stress we put yep. upon ourselves internally with yep. 
uh, whether it's workload or internal investigations or all this other stuff that might be bugging us. And so trauma really compounds when those other two stressors kick in. And right now we've gone through a real long stretch of those other two stressors being really high, which means on the back end, the trauma is gonna bug our folks a lot more. So trying to look forward to how do we get ahead of that? How do we start um, intervening before we get to a PTSD claim where that, that puts somebody's career at risk? PTSD is very, very treatable. It's probably the most treatable um, disorder that you can be diagnosed with, but we're seeing it not dealt with until 20 years too late. Yeah. So we're looking for getting ahead of that to early in someone's career, starting to create a culture of uh, early check-ins with a mental health professional. Uh, we did a test group, um, just a real small test group uh, with some folks that went through some really nasty calls last this last year uh, over a real short time stretch that we just thought we need to give them a resource. So we got a, a contract in place, got a telehealth provider for um, first responders. And that's the important piece is that we find culturally competent providers. There's a lot of good practitioners out there for mental health. They don't necessarily deal with the weirdness that is cop world right. or, or firefighters or dispatchers or just the unique stuff we see because even our folks that work on the civilian side see all the same stuff they're right. seeing the reports they're handling the evidence they're doing public disclosures and they're living the stuff with the first responders as well so we, we look for this practitioner these practitioners that can deal with our folks talk in the same language and do some check-ins and that's really what we want to get to is uh, with some of these initiatives through the county and some of the funding options we're going to be presented with hopefully as we're recording this the council's talking budget and we're hoping to get some good news in the next few days what can we do with that money is it you know mental health check-ins for all of our people um, how many a year we still have to kind of craft but we want to do something where our folks can check in with mental health practitioners that are used to talking to people that deal with what we deal with work the weird shift work weird, work the holidays uh, and giving one more avenue where there's no barrier between our folks and the service. You know, if you work graveyard uh, at the South Precinct, you are busy all the time. And you ask that guy to say, hey, on your days off, why don't you check in with a mental health practitioner? Yeah, you laugh, because it ain't gonna happen. Right? It's not gonna happen, right? Um, it, no, I'm gonna sleep, I'm gonna see my family, I'm gonna go do my you know, errands and things I'm gonna do on my days off, and I'm not gonna worry about it. Um, but if we can bring it to the workplace and present it as an option, I think we'll see a, a pretty high adoption rate uh, of, of use and hopefully some better outcomes as people have these regular check-ins and, and kind of just like doing your blood test, just like doing your annual checkup with your physician. Um, get ahead of some of these things before they become big issues and just deal with them when they're, when they're smaller issues. Yeah. So and you already kind of mentioned this, Ian, is uh, kind of the, the blood panel is a, work, a test group, um, but then you, opened, you went past that though. And I remember, I remember you coming to my office and it wasn't a, hey, can I do this boss? It was, hey, I'm doing this, I'm just letting you know. And I, I love that about you. And, and it was for the, the betterness of our organization. And, uh, and I'll, I'll give others in county government a lot of credit too. No, absolutely. We got zero pushback, no, it, which is a good thing. It, very surprising. And it, um, well, it should be surprising. Very, uh, I'm very grateful that yes. when we presented some of these items uh, in the context of you know, not only the, the personal aspect for our folks, but the long-term impacts for our agency health, um, there was zero pushback. And in fact, there was bipartisan support. Um, you know, the, the exec's office began looking for funding options even outside of our budget uh, requests that we had made and were trying to, you know, bring things to the table for us. I don't know if I've ever seen that in any other initiative we've ever no, put forward. Just so, so the community knows that the purchasing rules are, and it should be because it's taxpayer money we're talking about, very strict guidelines for every single purchase, large or small, you can think of. Yeah. 
but and, and we were able to follow all of those, but really cut through a lot of the red tape, I think, because I think they saw the benefit of what what you brought to them. Basically, doesn't always happen, but it happened no. in this case, which I think is a good thing. It really, yeah, it really did. There was um, basically it was no cut in corners, but it was top priority for everybody that touched yeah. it, which was greatly appreciated because we were able to get something in place really quickly, and it's. Um, it's already had pretty big benefit for a few employees that yep. are taking advantage of it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Sarge, how are you feeling now? I'm good. A status update. Uh, <laughs> well, like I said, uh, the, the real work didn't start until I got home from the hospital, um, and that has been a journey. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize uh, pre-surgery that I was going to be dealing with post-surgery and and to some extent I'm okay with that because I think uh well I'll, I'll just be blunt I was I was scared out of my mind yeah. that uh because I knew they were going to crack my chest open mm -hmm. to to fix what I had spent 49 years which that stat <laughs> ironically right? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not like that number no. <laughs> <laughs> I had spent 49 and just a side note I had my 50th birthday two days after I came home from the hospital. Wow. Yeah, so at least I wasn't in the hospital to have my 50th. <laughs> um, and I was still alive to have it. Yeah, that's the most important that, yeah. Case, yeah. Thank um, you. But I, I didn't, I didn't want to know too much going into that because I knew there was going to be so much to deal with afterwards and I figured I would just wait. Um, and, and to some extent, I'm glad that I did. Um, but what I will say is that uh, there's a lot of support groups out there um, there's even, um, specifically for uh, cops, there's uh, open heart surgery support groups for cops mm. um, because it's, we're kind of guarded about letting, yeah, you know, feeling vulnerable in front of people that we don't know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to, to some extent I am that guy, but I also want to, it doesn't matter if I save one cop life or one, one of our community members, I just want someone to learn from what I went through and not have to go through this. Um, so uh, one of the things that I learned was that uh, post-surgery depression is real. Um, and I, I didn't know that. I didn't know, um, I, I spent uh, part of my career early on um, was as the crisis intervention coordinator. Okay. And uh, I thought I had a fairly decent understanding of depression and PTSD and anxiety and all those things. Um, reality is until you've suffered those things you really don't understand them the way you think you do um and uh i i got a uh, a full-on dose of all three anxiety depression and uh, panic um so one of the things that that i hope uh our people learn from this is it's okay to be medicated in fact i encourage you if you need it get it okay. it, it puts you on an even even playing field with everybody else, it's not, um, obviously you need to find the right mix, but uh, it's not, you're not, um, it doesn't make you, you know. It's not a weakness. Right, it's right. not a weakness. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, it, the, the fact that you are willing to admit that you need help, I think is a strength. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, There's there's been days where I've sat at home and cried and had no idea why. I, I had no control over it. I, and, and it's um, it's funny because uh, I've, I've always been very controlled about my emotions. And, and I think that just kind of comes with the profession. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and 
not that my wife was happy about it, but she was like, it's okay that you feel this way. It's okay that you're doing this. And I'm like, no, it's not. I've never done this. This is not okay. Um, and speaking of which, uh, I have to give her a huge, huge thank you. Um, I'd probably be dead if it wasn't for her, just because when I got out of the hospital, I had so many medications. I mean, it was on a shelf this long and some of them were doubled up because you're, you're taking so many different medications for all the other, all the stuff that you're, you're going through. Um, and I, I had, I, you're, you're kind of foggy when you first get home. And, uh, I had no clue what I was supposed to be taking, what I wasn't supposed to be taking. And if she wasn't there, I'd, I'd probably be taking the wrong stuff. That's a huge time. deal actually. And you don't, you typically think of that. Well, cause we're talking about mental health and what you, um, I'm glad you mentioned that cause that's a big deal. I just heard, uh, detective Gil Carrillo. I think that's how I say his name. Uh, He's retired, 38 years, uh, LA County Sheriff's Office. He was the lead investigator on the Night Stalker case. So he did this talk. And he, he, he talked about the case this weekend, and then when he was done, he got a question from the audience. How did you survive 38 years of a county in LA detective? He said, my wife, my family, my friends. That's the three. And, and, that, so, and then I just heard you say that, and it clicked. Our, our support, our support structure, I should say, is extremely important. All right, uh, Ian, I want to talk about briefly, um, <laughs> where, where are we going in the area of wellness? What do you envision? We don't have to have it all figured out today, but where do you think we're going as an organization? Well, the cool thing is we have a wellness committee. Uh, a lot of employees that have signed up to say, hey, I want to participate in some way, whether it's financial health, uh, peer support, uh, nutrition, physical fitness, they all have their passion areas. So we're going to capitalize on that. Cool. Uh, in next year's budget, we're very hopeful we'll have a chunk of money that we can dedicate to wellness initiatives. And that's coming out of the benefits fund, most likely at the county level. So it's not hitting our budget. This is money the county has said, you need it, we've got it, go forth and, and awesome. find good things for your people. So we're gonna, we're gonna leverage that committee to find the, the pieces that work best for our people and then go out and, and find either products or services or create new ones uh, to serve what we need within the budget we've got. So we're gonna, we're gonna use that committee, we're gonna come up with some cool stuff, and we're gonna try and deliver bits and pieces throughout yeah. the year to make a robust wellness um, resource for everybody. Um, it's, gonna, it's gonna take time, but yeah. that's where we're going with it. So gonna get the employees engaged and, and deliver something back. Um, some will be real quick, easy wins. The, the blood panel stuff might be pretty quick and easy. Other stuff might have to go out to like a request for proposals yeah. and the whole the bid process, but We'll get through it and we'll we'll start delivering some some resources above and beyond the things we already do yeah that's so cool that's encouraging yeah. that really is yeah it is it's 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 new it's new territory for our county and yeah. it's it's exciting to see so one follow-up question for you sure why don't you wear your apple watch anymore you oh that at the beginning. Uh, yeah so um two days after i got home uh, i was doing my my little uh you start very small walks and then so 19 days in the hospital, then you come home? Yes. Okay. Uh, you, you start very small walks and then graduate to bigger walks. I would have, had graduated to going f all the way around, laps around my entire uh, downstairs of my house. Uh -huh. um, when I got done, I couldn't, my, I've always been at between 60 and 70 is my, is where I have lived for my resting heart rate. That's different now. And, and I didn't understand that. And so uh, I couldn't get it to go below a hundred and that's okay. Now I've, I've learned that. 
Um, but it freaked me out. And so I started obsessing. I'd check it like every 30 oh, seconds. Wow. Okay. And so uh, that was one of the things that I didn't, I didn't understand when I got out was that there's going to be things that are going to normal people wouldn't do. Not that I'm not normal, but uh, <laughs> no, as Ian says, we're a unique we bunch. <laughs> yes. Really, we're an odd bunch. Yeah, so uh, I, I was obsessing over it, and I just I was like, you know what? I don't need to know. I, I know that I have four bland, brand new blood highways. I'm wow. good. Very so cool. I don't, don't wear it anymore. Cool. Awesome. Well, I hope this conversation at least helped a little bit. It helped our organization, helped the community know kind of the things that we're striving for. So. Again, thank you, Sarge, for coming in and talking about this stuff. I know it can be difficult sometimes. You did a fantastic job. Thank you. Ian, just thanks for always being here, man. Yeah, thanks for pushing pleasure. me in directions that you need to push me in, including in the area of wellness. So thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right.